everybody, and welcome to the Universal Hitchhiker. Um, I am Jeff. Uh, with us, as always, is Matt and Jamie. Uh, today, we are talking with Steve Blanco of Imperial Triumphant. How are you hey, doing today, going? Steve? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good, good, good. Um, you know, I'm going to start because your band is very eclectic. Um, um, avant-garde is, uh, I think, one of the main things that I always see when I when I look up the band. How would you describe, and I don't know if you want to use a genre because there's so much that's mixed in with what you guys do in so many styles, but how would, if someone was to come up to you on the street, how would you describe your music to them? Well, I would say it's a very heavy rock band with an avant-garde vibe a la mid 20th century classical music. And then inspired by a foundation in jazz, which is just, you know, music that we play. So that's automatically going to be in everything we do. And it's also the sound of New York. Um, and I've read that a lot uh, when we talk about you, when you say the sound New York, um, is that just like, how do, how do you incorporate that into the music, if you don't mind me asking? Well, that's, that's a great question, actually. I mean, the sound of New York is probably not just exclusive to only New York City. You know, any large city will, will have universal threads, I, w I would imagine. Um, but the sound of New York to us is sort of a filthy, disgusting pile of garbage with a luxurious gold top, if that okay. makes any sense. <laughs> Actually, it does. I'm from Chicago, so I know it's me. Okay, yeah. You get, you get it, man. Yeah. I do. Um, so how did you guys come to the music that you are now? Because I know you have, you started out playing the trumpet, is that correct? And then doing like jazz and whatnot? Well, trumpet is when I, when I was like a little kid in grade school. And then my first instrument really was the drums. And then I switched to piano and I became a pro jazz piano player. That mm -hmm. was kind of, that's kind of what I spent the most of my musical career doing. And then uh, switched to bass uh, just to keep mixing it up and try to get re-inspired, I guess, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. It's just lots of different kinds of music in there. Okay. Um, Jamie? Yeah, so I, again, like how Jeff said, we all kind of come from different music backgrounds. So I, I was watching um, the making of Alphaville video. And that video was awesome because I just got to see some, like you three come together and just like your creative geniuses flow. And I, it was really, really cool to see. Um, and cool. because everyone is just so like passionate and dedicated, I kind of want to know like what your creative process is like and how everything just kind of comes together? Well, we definitely, it's definitely evolved over the years, but we, yeah. we create, you know, largely as a trio, like the three of us. Um, Kenny is a crazy, insane drummer, as maybe you've heard if you've listened to our music. Mm -hmm. um, he's a fantastic musician, composer. Zachary is a great composer, great musician. And then the, and the three of us, you know, we'll get in a room and we'll just improvise, you know, and that's sort of the, the nature of how we, you know, find the sound of the band. 
And then as far as writing, there's lots of different ways. We, we might write some things together. Like, uh, you know, someone might have a riff and then we just take that and improvise off of that and then record things and save little tidbits or, you know, juicy nuggets that, you know, of good stuff. Uh, sometimes we might, one of us might just compose a whole demo and send it to the guys and then we'll say, okay, well, next time we get together in rehearsal, let's just start working on this as a complete song. So, you know, it's, it's a whole, you know, whole, whole bunch of variables in there as to how, how stuff gets created. Yeah. That was another one of my questions, just because your music is normally pretty heavy. Like what the mute, what does the writing, you know, look like between all of you coming together. So that's really cool. When it comes to wearing the masks on stage, does that, do you feel like that um, it's hard to like connect with the crowd? Do you think it like enhances it or, cause I think that's really cool. I've never been to a show. Well, hopefully you'll come to a show. The, the, the masks actually, they kind of do both. Like on one, on one hand, they've made it more difficult for us to play. Cause right. you know, our range of, our field of view is like super limited. We can't mm -hmm. see anything can't see the guitars anymore <clears throat> excuse me kenny kenny can barely see his symbols you know it's like it's it's another level of performing uh, but on the other hand you go into the mask and then you're in you're in your own world kind of you know and it's sort of interesting because then i don't know i guess you feel like uh you take on a character every time you get on stage with the mask on you know so right. from a performance and I think it's kind of cool. It is really cool. Yeah, no, for sure. It takes on a whole level of an extra level of performing. Yeah. I'm and, and, and music, it, it's a powerful device by itself, you know, sonically, but obviously there's more to it. Like putting on a show is a cool thing. It's a, a presentation, right? Right. Visual, right. visual presentation. I mean, me personally, as a fan, I love when a band puts on a good show. You know, it's, it's something that I look forward to. So we, we strive for, for an excellent show based on the resources that we have. That's awesome. When you said something about character, that, that actually brought up a question for me. Does each one of you, I mean, obviously the masks are all three different. Do each one of you have a different character you portray in those? Well, I mean... You know, you could say that it's it's all kind of a mix of esoteric, you know, Egyptian, Persian kind of vibes with esoteric New York, which is filled with symbols that go all the way back to that, that stuff, including the whole Art Deco movement. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you could say like the one I wear is the bull one. And that's kind of like the Lord Bile or the Golden Calf, the Golden Bull, the Bull of Wall Street is kind of all the same thing, right? Uh, Kenny's got like the Liberty, Statue of Liberty vibe. And then Zachary has like the Apollo vibe, you know? Oh. So, so you can, you know, you can draw conclusions. It, it's really more fun when people interpret it, you know, than if we explain what we think it is, you know? Gotcha. Also, given the nature of all the esoteric stuff, because, you know, at this point in my life, I'm kind of where I have no idea what's going on. You know, I'm just just looking around. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Matt? Oh, well, I, I'll tack on to something that Jamie was just talking about, those masks. Um, it, it, one thing that I like about bands that wear masks is 
obviously it hides their identity a little bit, but I mean, obviously you guys are on social media and stuff with your faces out there. But one thing I really, really dig about it is you guys have such a, a doomy sound and, and you're up there playing your hearts away. And a lot of, a lot of times when you go to shows, you have that connection by, by seeing these people and, and being able to relate to them. And I think that the fact that you guys have masks almost kind of takes that away a little bit. And not in a way, not in a negative way, because it almost makes it unsettling, which just adds to the darkness of your music even more, which is really cool in my opinion. So. Well, that's awesome. I mean, if it's making it unsettling, then it's adding to the avant-garde factor too. Yeah, which is exactly. Cool. You're just, you just see these guys on stage and you know who they are, but it's like you can't see them. You can't see their faces. It's just almost mysterious, which which you have this sound coming from them that's just so dark. And I just think it, it just covers it even more. It's, it's really cool. Cool. Uh, so, so something I want to ask. Uh, last year, you guys sent us Century Media, right? Correct. How, how has that kind of um, evolved the band a little bit? Um, kind, of, kind of being more a little, a little out there, uh, a little more f freedom and, and, and opportunities probably coming your way. Yeah, well, I mean, they have a lot of resources, so that's the first thing that makes a big difference because, you know, as a band, you're always struggling, struggling. You know, it's, anyone who plays music knows it's really hard to actually make money playing music. Exactly. It's usually the way it works is like no money until all of a sudden there's some money, right? Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of resources that are able to help us get the, the record done, you know, like with a, a, a better budget and things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, also, they have a wider reach, you know, with media and and press, and uh, so that's cool. Then, th then there's like a there's also like a psychological com component for us as a band. Like, okay, well, cool. This means that you know we we keep moving up the ladder as we do put in all this hard work. So that's kind of cool too, and and that probably helps us propel our vision even further. You know, like just internally. Have, have you noticed that that propeller like have you noticed you guys reaching more growing more in the last year because of that yeah i think it's really helped keep keep us motivated you know uh it's helped us uh, stick together the, the, as a trio the three of us um because of course that's also Huge. that's one of the hardest things about having a band is keeping the band you know exactly um so yeah, I, I think that's pretty cool. I remember when we actually signed the deal, it was cool because we were actually on the road uh, out, on, out on the West Coast. We were in California. I think we were in the Bay Area at the time. And you know, that was just a cool thing to be doing on the road, like from the van. You know? yeah. It just shows you're, you're out there doing, doing your own thing and not thinking anything of it. And then all of a sudden, boom, something huge like that happens. It's, yeah, it's it super makes cool. it all worth it. Yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, you're doing all the work, you're doing the work, you're doing the work, but, you know, sometimes there's nothing happening. It's hard to see, it's hard to see any, you know, mileposts or goalposts, you know. Yeah, very cool. Um, oh, so, also, also, let me just, let me just say that yeah. also, it's, it's been really cool working with them. They've been awesome to us. Good, good. That's great. That's always good to hear when they have a good relationship between the label and the band. Um, so last year, you also did a European tour, correct? Correct. And uh, what, how, was that your first European tour? That was actually our second one. Okay, okay. So what are some things that you noticed between the difference, especially in metal, um, between US and, and European? I feel like European really has that, that niche. I mean, there's so much good stuff that comes out of there. It's almost evolved through there and then hits here. So, so what, yeah. are, what are some of the things you notice? Like, like talk about how the experience in general. 
Well, it, there's, it's definitely different. I mean, the Europeans, you know, they're kind of, they're still more in tune with that whole medieval thing, I feel yeah. like, you know, they're yeah. like, they just, they just love their metal. You know, they love mm -hmm. that shit. It's a culture. It is a culture, yeah. It's very cool. Uh, we, we, got, we get treated really nicely over there. Um, you know, the USA is a much tougher place, mm -hmm. you know. It's just the nature of the culture here and just the, I think, probably just the way this country's evolved and developed, you know. Here, you really got to gotta work, 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 you know, mm -hmm. and you're on your own. You know, in Europe, you know, there's a little bit more help, you know, for tours and things, you know, so it's a little bit more comfortable, maybe, you know, I want to say. Yeah. Not, not a lot more comfortable, you know, I, but, but, it's, but it's more comfortable. Um, and the crowds, I think, are just so open, you know, they're open to like whatever. Yeah. Of mixing, mixing the music, mixing genres, whatever you know, they just want to hear some live music and get pulverized. You know? Yeah, they just welcome it. That's so. Cool. They just well, yeah, they welcome yeah. that shit. That's awesome. All right, so the new album, um, from what I see, is coming out next month. Correct. Okay. Um, no, no delays. No delays on that with everything going on. No, I mean that's another thing. Like we've just been quietly busting our asses behind the scenes, like to you know the timing obviously is horrible right you know exactly and so we've just navigated we've changed some of the things that we had to do like we created an animation video which was not originally slated as the first thing but you know we couldn't do any live action stuff because new york was completely shut down it's still kind of shut down really and uh so yeah we've just been trying to make sure that it gets you know it moves along smoothly. Very good. So on this new album, I see you feature what Tomas from from Meshuga. Yes. Tr cool. Trey from Mr. Bungle. Is that what yeah, I, also I, is that, cool. Man, that's so awesome. So why don't you <laughs> yeah, why don't you talk about talk about like just the part that they played or I mean even if it's just a, a little spot in a song, like what was it like working with them? How'd you get in touch with them? That's well, those are well, some big names. Yeah, very very cool. Very cool names and amazing experiences. <laughs> Um, Toma, uh, Kenny already knew Toma because through the drum drummer circle, they've, they've gotten to know each other. So they, they already had a rapport. So we were able to, can, you know, to ask him if he'd be down to be a guest on the album. And he was like, sure, totally. Awesome. So, you know, we're like, okay, cool. You're going to play taiko drums with us. And we found this taiko dojo in Brooklyn uh, from this guy from Japan who's, the real deal has these drums that he builds himself that were in that, that was that metal trenches. I'm sorry. Metal injection video mm -hmm. was that, that, that some of that footage is from the, from the Taiko Dojo studio. And yeah, so, you know, we just were, we're like, this is going to be sick. We're going to record giant Japanese Taiko drums with Toma from the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was absolutely amazing. It was one of the greatest days of my life. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. It was so much fun. We had a great hang. Toma was awesome. And yeah, that's how that happened. And then Trey um, is interesting because he's, he, he's been coming to our show. He came to a couple of our shows on the West Coast. And also Kenny knew him because Kenny plays in one of his projects okay. called Secret Chiefs. And so when we were thinking about getting a producer – you know, we, we were kind of scratching our heads because it's a sort of a tall order. And then, you know, 
we were just like, wait, what about Trey? And then we saw him at a show, asked him, and he was totally down to do it as well. So we flew him to New York, and he was there. It was cool. Dude, there's such such influential people in the whole genre of metal. I mean, that's those are two yeah. big names to put on one album. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I would say both of them have given us plenty of amazing music. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So the new album, uh, we said t- next month, um, Alphaville, what, what, uh, what's kind of the meaning be- behind Alphaville? Well, Alphaville, it's, I don't know if you guys know, it's a film from 1965 uh, by Jean-Luc Godard, it's a French filmmaker that was largely responsible for uh, a movement in cinema called the French New Wave. It was him and this guy, Francois Truffaut, and they sort of came up together. And they, they created these films that were technically different from anything previous because there were no more rules whatsoever. So the, the script didn't have to go in order. The shots didn't need to make sense necessarily. It, we, we take it all for granted probably nowadays, of course. You know, we're, we're so much more sophisticated at looking at things. Yeah. But back then that was like, holy shit, what the fuck am I watching? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the particular film, Alphaville, I don't know if, if you guys are, are familiar with it or not, but it's an amazing movie, super dark, super bleak about a totalitarian future based in this main city, Alphaville, which means number one city. Jean-Luc Godard used Paris because that was his city, but of course, through Imperial Triumphant, New York is our Alphaville, right? So that, that makes a lot of sense. And then just the nature of the film being that it's, you know, pretty abstract, pretty avant-garde, and thematically, you know, content-wise, what Godard was was dealing with, what he's talking about, is is very similar to the way we look at things. So, you know, it was it was just kind of a cool thing to draw from for inspiration. Cool. Do you think Do you think your lyrics and stuff apply to apply to the theme? Would you consider it a maybe a, a concept album? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that term is obviously really difficult to deal with, but I wouldn't say it's a concept album by choice, like as if we set out to make a concept album, you know, but I think there's a thread that, that goes through the whole thing that's really connected. Like a little motif that just follows each yeah. song to song. That's cool. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Cool. Um yeah, one thing I love is is that that film sound that you guys bring like like i listened it took me i hate to say it but it took me a couple listens um and then and then i went back to um that's your, good that's your a good first thing. yeah 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 because i i went back to your first uh what was it shine of the trident throne mm-hmm. um and uh and then it kind of like that album clicked with me and so then i went back to some of the newer stuff and and the one thing that stood out to me was always the interest of the songs i thought they were brilliant like the they're so unlike stuff that I've heard. Um, it's, uh, you hear these intros to songs and they're just like, okay, yeah, it's a typical metal. But you guys with that jazz influence and with, with it's almost like that 50s film type sound. I thought it was the coolest addition to, to metal music. I thought it was, it was really commendable of what you guys were doing. So, cool, awesome. Yeah, very cool. Um, Jeff, you wanna lead into a song or you wanna, you wanna have to throw some questions out? Um- I did have one other question because um, you've been with the band since 2014, right? Correct. Um, how did you get to be a part of the band? Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny, actually. I, the one time that I answered a Craigslist ad, <laughs> <laughs> literally the one time, I've never answered a Craigslist ad for music 
of, in my entire music career. And then a friend of mine sent me this one ad. He's like, he's like, dude, you should check out this band. Just go try, go try out. And I was like, I read the ad, which was pretty mysterious and vague, written you know from Zachary, which is totally what he's like, and that was perfect. I was like, okay, cool. I have no idea what this is. Let me check it out. And then we got together and hit it off, and the rest is history. Gotcha. Okay. Um, in reading some of the lyrics and stuff, um, I would say that it is some incredible dark poetry, uh, and it's the the interesting thing about it is most of the lyrics could stand alone without the music. Um, are you all are you all together when you write the lyrics, or is it something that each of you contributes? Um, the lyrics are a lot like the music. You know, there'll be some things where maybe a chunk of a song is written and then I might send it to Zachary and say, Hey man, rip it apart and add some more stuff to it, whatever. Sometimes one of us may write a whole lyric and just say, yo, here's the song. We got this for this song. Yeah. Even, even with a title and everything, you know? So it varies, but, but the thing is we, we get along so well and we, you know, we, we, we look at things in such a similar way that, all of it makes sense no matter who's writing the lyrics. You know, I don't know if, if that explains it. it. It does. It seems like, um, especially the way you talk, that all three of you um, collectively are really carrying the message and, and the theme of the band. It's not like it's one person and everybody's just kind of contributing. It sounds like all three of you are so much on the same page. And I think that's why it's such an interesting ensemble of music along with the lyrics. Um, how did you choose? Cause I, I see you have two covers on the new album. Uh, one is from the residence, happy home, and then a Voivod oh, cover. Yeah. 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 I mean, the residents are right up your alley. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. The residence, uh, cover is sort of surprising to our fan base, but also makes perfect sense. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, we love the residents. I mean, I don't really know what else I can say, except they're super weird and cool. Uh, and then the other cover is the Voivod cover, which I feel like that may may have been a little of a surprise too, in in some ways. Um, but we sort of we sort of did the the Voivod cover as a surprise to Colin Marston, who engineered and also co-produced with us because he's a huge fan. So we didn't tell him we were going to do a Voivod song. And then until we're in the studio uh -huh. and he hit record. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Are you, are you guys mainly self or co-produced with all your albums? Up until this album was all pretty much self-produced. And then now we got, you know, we have work, work with Trey and we'll probably work with him uh, in the future as well. And okay. Colin and Colin, even though he's listed as engineer, he plays a big hand in shaping the whole thing and the sound and everything. And he's just, he's amazing to work with. And he creates a, a really cool space to create in this, in his studio. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, the next, the song we're going to play, or at least the first song we're going to play is uh, rotted features, uh, which has already been out. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the background and, and take us into it? Rotted futures actually. Um, yeah, it's, Oh shoot. Sorry. That's all right. Um, well, Rod of Futures is a, it's a play on words. Like, if, if you're familiar with the financial world, there's a term called futures. 
which is basically gambling or betting on the price of a stock at a future time, either to sell or to buy. So looking at, looking at the world from a bleak lens, you know, which is kind of how the three of us see things, you know, we can't help it. Not that we're not optimistic about things, but you know, there's a lot of darkness around, right? Uh, through history, civilization. So, so rotted futures is a play on the, the financial term futures for a horrible future, which is kind of like what we were experiencing currently, actually, right? Yeah. Um, uh, the Federal Reserve just printed like a trillion dollars, and yet the U.S. dollar is stronger than ever. So obviously, something that doesn't make any sense. Like, right. what is that? You know, right? <laughs> but anyway, um, that's for a different podcast. Right. <laughs> uh, so so that 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 term and then just it's just, just a general uh, scope of civilization you know kind of like from you know to go real big like from the big bang till thousands of years in the future to see to try to imagine you know what will come of all of this incredible build and then collapse you know so I would say that's what Rod Futures is about.
All right, welcome back. Um, I want to I wanna ask, because you're a music teacher, right? Yeah, I mean, I give music lessons, you know. Is it, are you, now are you? Is, I'm not a teacher is, in a school. No, no, I understand. I just thought private lessons and things like that. Uh, is that something where, do they know the music that you do? Um, or do they listen to the music you do? Or do you use it when you're teaching them? Well, Obviously, the majority of people have no idea what I do with this band. <laughs> However, this for? <laughs> yeah, right. Like kind of like the Kiss story, right? <laughs> no, no. Actually, on another point, on a side note, real quick, we never, we didn't put do the mask to hide our identity. Actually, no, that's no, not, of course. Yeah, we're not. Oh no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, 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 we don't. We don't. We don't really have that vibe, you know. Yeah. But the funny thing about my students is. I have one student uh, I teach uh, in New York that um, she actually, her parents brought her to one of our shows in the Czech Republic. And oh, she, cool. she, wow. yeah, she, she was 11 at the time. And that was so awesome because she loved it, first of all, and her parents really loved it. And I don't know, that was a pretty cool experience to, to like share that with one of my students. Did she, did she know it was you then when she took the lessons or did she just find out afterwards? No, no, she knew. I mean, they, they, they knew about my band and then, oh, okay. and then they so brought it. that they were in the Czech Republic because uh, for, for work and they, they asked me if they could come to the show and I cleared it with the, uh, you know, with the club cause she's 11 and everything was cool. Probably wouldn't have been able to do that here so easily though. No, probably not. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of, that's kind of a drag for music, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, what else do you listen to in your free time? I mean, what kind of music do you listen to? Uh, not necessarily, I guess, to inspire you for what you do. Um, I think your background uh, and your uh, talent already helps you with that. But what kind of things do you do? Or what do you listen to when you're just hanging out on your own? Or uh, I mean, the, 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 the genres of music are immense. I mean, I listen to all kinds of music, you know. Uh, I, I've, I've listened to a lot of jazz, obviously, like old jazz, you know, like like Bill Evans and Miles Davis records from the late 60s and some of that, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I love classical music. Uh, I love listening to podcasts about co-opted society, you know, and things like that. Okay. Um, or financial books. <laughs> like books about crypto, <laughs> you know, it's just things that are kind of out, outside, you know, out, out of the box a little bit or on the fringes, you know, I find all that stuff really inspiring. Um, but music, yeah, I don't know. There's so much different kinds of music to listen to. And a lot of the times I'm working on music, so I'm not even listening that much, you know, True. which is something I think that happens to a lot of musicians, you know, as they're, cause you know, they're working a lot in, in their, with their band or whatever. It's funny the way people perceive bands sometimes. They, they think that, well, they just practice a couple hours a day. Maybe they get together once in a while. They do a show. But I don't think a lot of people realize the work that goes into it. Um, but you've been doing this for a while, not even with the band, but everything previous to that. Does it, does it ever feel like work? Do you ever feel pressure from it? Or is it more fun and, and a relief? It can definitely feel like work. Uh, I think that you just hang on to the reward, you know, which is 
you know, the dream basically. And I think that that still outweighs the work. Um, but especially when you're in the trenches and let's say you're just doing like all these shitty jazz gigs, like, like my Kenny and myself have played a million shit jazz gigs over the years. Um, when you're in those trenches, it can definitely feel like, you know, wow, why am I doing this? What's the point of doing this? You know? Yeah. Because, you know, I think the highest level of playing music is actually just sitting with your instrument on your own time and just playing for pure enjoyment, you know? So yeah, it, it can definitely feel like work, but, but I think it's, it's still cool. And then when you build a project like Imperial Triumphant, which is obviously a lot of work, but it's moving. And, you know, we're getting great response, great feedback. We're connecting with lots of people all around the world. You know, that, that's kind of hard to put a price on, you know? Yeah. What, when you're right, when you do, when you, the, the songs recorded, the album's done and it gets out there. Um, is it, are you more satisfied listening to it yourself and being proud of it? Or is the, is the fan reaction even more of a reward? How do, you, how do you feel about that, I guess? Because some artists, they really say that they only create for themselves and then people enjoy it. Um, and then others, you know, really want to make sure that when they put their art out there, that they want to hear all the responses, uh, good and bad. Do you measure it either way? Well, you know, I can't speak for, the, for all three of us exactly, but I will tell you that usually you get burned out on your own material. So you can't really hear it the way someone, uh, you know, a fan is going to get to hear it. And you, you get kind of envious, actually, of them. Because it'd be cool to be able to just turn it all off, erase it all from your memory, and then just get the experience, see what the hell that's like. Um, I think you, gotta, you have to create music or art in general for yourself at, on some level because you're expressing your beliefs and philosophies and you know, cumulative sum total of life experience through this medium. And, you know, I, I, so, and I, I think you do, you do that and you create the work, but then once it's done, uh, and this is, this is where it gets sort of blurry. Once it's done, it's out there. It's not, it's, it's hard to even say it's yours anymore because now it's just out there, you know, yeah. and all these people are, interpreting it experiencing it putting their own spin on it you know i enjoy the feedback from the fans i think all three of us i think we as a band we we like connecting with fans you know some bands don't want to know anything about their fans don't want to have anything to do with their fans yeah yeah i can see but, that but 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 for me art has always been a great communicator like a high level communicator so the the whole thing is about communicating yeah. Well, let's talk about your other form of uh, communicating, because this video for Rotted Futures, you actually produced, correct? Well, I produced it. My childhood friend of mine is the one is the animator. He's the artist who actually made the video. And he did a great job, I think. I, you know, I, I, I've, I've watched it a lot. And uh, it, you said earlier that um, you couldn't do anything uh, because of the pandemic and everything you had to do an animated, but I, I was watching, I watched this video and I'm like, it completely fits the song in, in almost every way, shape and form. So 
I thought that was the original idea. Well, um, that's awesome that you thought that because that the, because the, well, <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I, I mean, I actually feel that way too. When it was all said and done, it was it was an insane hustle over a six week six week period to try to get this thing done. But um, yeah, I just think that my 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 friend Lewis, I think he hit a home run with it. And when I saw it finished, you know, I was like, this is perfect, exactly perfect for the song, and the and the response has been amazing. Yeah, it, I've been reading the notes and stuff. There's, I mean, and you've gotten a lot of views on it. So, I mean, that's good. Uh, yeah. Oh, I lost my train of thought. I, when, because your music's different. Um, when you see somebody who didn't know your music and then you play it for them, um, what kind of responses do you get from someone who might not, if you went up to someone who normally listens to pop music and you play it for them, have you, have you been able to do that and see their response and how they react? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we have friends, all of us have some friends that have no interest in metal, you know, don't know anything about heavy music or anything like that. And they, they'll hear our music and we'll get a range of responses, you know, from like, that just sounds like complete noise, you know, to, that sounds really frightening. I don't want to listen to that. Uh, you know, or to, it just sounds like a bunch of dissonant garbage or sometimes you get surprised by someone who doesn't know anything about this kind of music at all. And they hear it and they think it's super in intriguing and they want to hear more. It, it, it can be a gateway into a lot of different genres for someone. Um, you know, the, I listen to a lot of different stuff so I can hear a lot of the background in it. But uh, I think if somebody came to it with a blind ear, so to speak, uh, but had, had listened to some jazz and some other stuff in the past, it might resonate a little bit and be a gateway into metal. Um, how, or, or the reverse, the reverse would be cool. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe this gets some people into some old jazz records. You know, yeah. <laughs> then you get uh, after you get off stage and somebody comes up to say hi and they're like, hey, uh, t tell me some of those jazz artists and they run out and buy the vinyl, you know? Yeah, that's that's amazing to keep to, to keep it going, you know? Is that is that a big kick for you to help introduce uh, music to people, especially when you talk about uh, your uh, your students and things like that? Obviously, you teach them certain styles, but is that a big kick for you when you can kind of introduce them to other stuff? since you guys are, you know, very eclectic? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely, you know, it's not something that we necessarily try to do or anything, but but it is cool if someone, if we get a, a message from a fan that says, hey, I got into you guys, and then because of you guys, I got into this record, this Duke Ellington, Max Roach, and Charlie Mingus record called Money Chumble. That's huge, you know, it's like, wow, we just helped someone get into something completely new to experience for their mind, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's weird with the jazz thing too, because I just want to say one, one point on that is that we don't, we didn't, uh, that's also something that we didn't try to engineer into the music. You know, it's not deliberately engineered in this, in the sense, like we said, we said, Oh, we're going to mix jazz with metal and that's going to, how we're going to make our sound. It's, naturally in the music that we write because of the kind of musicians that we are you know it's it's the reverse i think of what maybe some people might might think well you said you you improvise a lot that's how you start out on some of these songs is improvising and and i know jazz is just 
based on improvising. So I think exactly. I think the fact that you're starting out your songs in a writing process like that, I mean, it only tailors it more towards that and the finished product, you know? Yeah. I mean, improv improvisation is obviously a huge element in jazz and it's a huge part of our music. Yeah. That's awesome. But when you guys are on the road and are touring, um, I guess, how do you come up with your set list? Is that just, uh, just based on what you guys want or? Not totally. We, we do, we take, we take some, uh, cues from fans fan requests sometimes you know like and if it's possible we'll try to incorporate it uh usually the set is created in our rehearsal space yeah when we're when we're together and we just literally just have a powwow and talk about the songs we want to play how do we want to design the set for the full experience from beginning to end you know typical stuff like yeah pa like painting a picture yeah or, yeah, yeah. So then, which is more fun, the writing and the recording or performing live? That is like the, you know, that's, that's the big, the big question. Um, I think it's different for each of us. I know Zach really loves performing live. He doesn't love the studio as much as I, I actually like the studio because I love documenting stuff, you know? Um, Kenny and I, we enjoy the studio process part, you know, I don't like, the whole thing about making an album because you know you put a lot of pressure on yourself when you're doing an album because it's it's sort of final right you know yeah and in that respect live is way cooler because live it's just like who knows what the fuck is going to happen you just go you go out <laughs> there and you're going to just go for it you know like we've had some crazy shows with crazy crowds and like things that i would never ever want to undo but I mean, it, it, it's just a different experience, a different part of, of the whole thing. You need both though. Yeah. Do you, do you find it hard? Like, like I, I, you guys are obviously super creative and, and avant-garde and all that stuff. Um, and so you're doing certain things in the studio. Um, do you have a hard time translating that to live stuff? That's a really good question because that's something that we are extremely OCD about. Mm -hmm. Because we all, we're always thinking, the listener experience in the audience, the live show, we, we want to make sure we give them maximum experience. And obviously albums are different than live shows. You know, there's, there's some layers on there. There's things, sounds that are not going to be in the live show. And, you know, Trey, he put it a really good way, actually. When we were in the studio, we were having this exact discussion that, you're, that you just brought up. Yeah. And Trey, Trey said, you know, he's like, I think of it this way, the, well, the things that we add in the studio are really just making up for what you can't get that live, that you can only get live because okay. it's such a bigger sound. You're in a room with other people. You know, there's nothing like live music. Yeah. So when he, the, the, I thought that point was a really cool way to think about it, you know? Yeah. So we do though work very hard at like bringing in maybe some background loops, you know, with a sampler pedal. Mm -hmm. that you know one of us might trigger um we design things or export some things from the session and then carefully work that out so that it can blend in and you know um so we try we try to make that live experience really full yeah okay 
you can tell when you watch your videos and everything. Yeah. I have one question, just um, your music and your career has developed so much over the years. What would, what advice would you give yourself if you could like starting back at the beginning of your career? I'd probably say like go into finance. <laughs> no, or, or at least at the very least at the very least i would tell myself learn everything you can about money so that you can do accomplish the things that you want to accomplish you know like because because making art the whole the whole way that most of us come up you know with adversity or living in real shitty shoebox apartments in new york you know or whatever it is everyone's got their story is, uh, you know, it's really hard to stay focused and keep the dream alive, you know? So that's what I would tell myself. Just learn everything you can about money. Uh, one of the things that I ask um, pretty much every artist that we talk to, um, you're on the stage, you're playing music, you've put all the blood, sweat, and tears in, you've got a full theater, shouting the lyrics back to you, fists in the air. How, how does that make you feel? Well, that's kind of the greatest feeling in the whole world that you just described. Um, it feels great. I mean, that, that, that is a supreme level of communicating. You know, it's all these people with all their differences in this room getting, you know, destroyed by this dark sound from three guys who see the world in a really fucked up and disgusting dark way. You know, there's, we just can't avoid it. But yet there's this cool thing happening that's, I think, ultimately positive, you know? What do you do if you have, like, especially I guess when, you know, if you're, if you're playing with uh, maybe a group that hasn't, that's not familiar with you yet, uh, have you had that? Well, I, you know, where, where maybe they're not reacting as much and, and yes. they're still trying to get used to you. Oh yeah. I, we've had, we've had shows like that where people just stand there and have absolutely no idea what the hell we are. You just kind of have to fight your way through it or do you guys just kind of find we, it in yourself? We just, we just, we just do it as if, as if it's like, as if they love it, you know, we just, we just do the whole show and then, we just walk away like, okay, well, now they think we're the weirdest band around. Okay, cool. <laughs> just get that one person moving. That's all you can hey. do. Hey, if you get so, one, hey, so, you know what? That that's actually huge. Sometimes, sometimes you can focus on that one person mm -hmm. that's that's moving, and they they'll hook you up. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they might have enough energy for the whole place. I mean, you never yeah. know. And then that's one CD, one T-shirt, where somebody else later is gonna be like, dude, what is that T-shirt? What's that? Well, here, let me show you. You know? I mean, exactly. That's, that's why the live shows are, are what they're for, and that's how it helps. Um, the other side of it is, as you were saying, that you've had some very crazy shows. Tell me about one of the craziest that you can think about. Well, I mean, there, there's been shows where people, you know, get on stage, and that becomes its own experience because, you know, in the kind of music we play, which is you know, not that we're the most technical band, but it's somewhat technical the way we play. So there's a, a concentration level that needs to be maintained. So that throws you, takes you out of that space. And, and then things that are going on in the crowd that 
you know, maybe are not so savory, you know, and you're, you're seeing this going, but it's part of the, it's part of the live experience. You know, it's like, yeah. Hey, someone's, if someone is, if there's a mosh pit going on, not that we, we're not like a super mosh pit band, but you know, occasionally it, it happens. If there's a pit going on and there's some people getting, you know, violent or whatever, you know, that's, that's part of the, that's part of the deal. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, other, other things, other things that are crazy is just within us, like things that happen to us. Like one time we were in Russia actually playing a show in Moscow. I think it was, I, I don't, I forget if it was Moscow or St. Petersburg, but we, we played this show in Moscow, which was amazing. The Russian people were incredible, super into dark metal. Obviously that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, 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 um, and we, after it was, it was really, really hot in the venue, insanely hot. So there we are with our cloaks and our masks, which take the temperature level up another 10, 15 degrees. And we started to get really burned out, you know, so we did the full set and then Kenny, who's playing the drums, clearly it's the worst for him. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We get off the stage and I thought he was going to collapse right there. I thought he was going to die actually. So that was, that was pretty insane. You know, that was, that's the, that kind of stuff is what I'm talking about. Much love. Huh. Jamie, Matt. Oh. I asked everything I needed to. Yeah, we can probably start to lead into the, to the last song if, uh, unless you got something, Joe. Yeah, no, uh, Steve, I, I can't thank you enough for being on the show with us. Um, I, you know, My pleasure. I, I know, uh, well, you were on tour, right? Before everything hit. Actually, we had two tours canceled. Okay. Which, which totally sucks. So are you going to revisit those next year or when everything well, kind of settles yeah, down? Yeah, one's been, one's been postponed till to 2021. So that's okay. The other one was, was next for now, but there's other stuff that I can't talk about right now in the works that's really really cool very exciting good no. good okay um i mean i wish you all the luck in the world i know the band is growing uh and i very very rapidly uh and you know you can see the work put in and the progression in the music and i think you guys are outstanding i i love it uh um i i don't i don't think there's really anybody that measures up to what you do which is really cool. Um, Thank so you. That's a huge it. compliment. I, yeah, I appreciate it a lot. Uh, brilliant, brilliant work. I um, love it. Thank you. But we're going to close out with uh, City Swine. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and then we'll take it out? Absolutely. City Swine. City Swine deals with two levels of what the big machine, as we like to call it, you can call it New York, you can call it the apex of evil, you can call it the financial capital, you can call it the top of the pyramid. Obviously, there's a lot of things you can call it. Two groups of people that the big machine sees as useless. So one group is on the bottom, which would be like homeless people and people that are just kind of scattered about the city that, you know, can make things pretty uncomfortable. Uh, or the other thing would be like a bunch of rich kids that don't really do anything and they kind of dump on everybody in their path, you know? Yeah. So, so the song is kind of like a, a dualistic view of those two elements sort of being a similar thing in, inside the eyes of the big machine. Okay. 
All right, Steve Blanco of Imperial Triumphant. Thank you very much. And Thanks here so is much. the decline. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Uh -huh.